kids today's topic is very exciting as i love trekking i have always been a nature lover in awe of the mountains rivers and streams and trekking allows you to be up close and personal with nature i have been trekking for quite some time now but i got introduced to high altitude trekking only in 2015 and i have been hooked since then I had a colleague Nagraj who kept talking about all the Himalayan treks that he and his family has been to. He went on and on about the beauty of the Himalayas, the snow-capped peaks, green meadows, streams gurgling down the rolling hills, crisp pure air and the awesomest sunrises and sunsets. That did it for me. I decided I had to go visit the Himalayas. I got a few friends and colleagues to join and we decided to do the Harkidun trek in Uttarakhand. So that really was my first high altitude trek. After that, I've done the Hamta Pass and Chandratal Lake in Himachal, the Annapurna Base Camp trek in Nepal, and the Great Lakes trek in Kashmir. So I've covered a wide range of Himalayas. I was really excited the first time I went on the Himalayan trek. But I had lots of questions on how to prepare, what to carry for the trek, what kind of shoes to wear, etc. Now we had signed up with a trek organizing firm called Dreamcatcher Adventures. They were very professional, gave us all the instructions and prepared us well for the trek. And of course, we had my friend Meena also to guide us. She is a veteran having done several Himalayan treks and has been my fellow companion on all my treks. The first thing was for us to prepare ourselves physically. On the trek, we have to walk 5 to 8 hours a day and that to uphill. So we have to be physically fit. So I started jogging about 5 to 6 kilometers every day and also climbing stairs. I used to go eight flights of stairs a couple of times. And on weekends I used to carry a backpack with a few kgs of stuff just to add weight and walk around 10 kilometers or so. When you climb high up beyond 10,000 feet above the sea level, the air starts thinning and so there is less oxygen. So your lungs need to be very strong especially if you're climbing uphill. Hence jogging helps as it helps build your lungs. Even deep breathing exercises and pranayam helps build the lungs. I also used to work out on the cross trainer as it simulates mountain climbing. And because of my passion for trekking, jogging, walking and in general exercising and keeping fit became a part of my life and lifestyle. In the subsequent treks I really did not need to train much as I was already fit. but every year during the trekking season i become super fit and lose some weight so you see there are other benefits also to trekking now let's talk about what to carry on the trek since you're going to walk and climb a lot you need good shoes sometimes the terrain in the mountains is rocky and has lots of stones and you tend to twist your ankle so you need good ankle high shoes that protect you from any ankle related injuries i prefer the four class series shoes from decathlon in fact most of my trekking gear is from decathlon you need good quick dry tees and all weather pants as you sweat a lot during the day when you're walking under the direct sunlight and at an altitude the sun will burn your skin if you are not well protected So you need a good wide-rimmed hat, shades and sunscreen. But even with all these I come back with a mean tan and cracked lips which I show off as a trophy. Then you need to have a wind cheater as it might rain depending on what season you are going trekking. 
you need thermals to wear at nights when temperatures may drop to zero or even below zero a warm jacket gloves woolen socks please and then toiletries toilet paper a day pack to carry the stuff while trekking and a big rucksack in which the rest of your stuff goes uh, you need a headlamp or torch for nights as there are no lights up there in the mountains and of course a camera and batteries to capture the insane beauty of the magnificent mountains for those like me who live in the south of india reaching the start point of the trek and getting back home from the end point itself takes 3 to 4 days so for the indian himalayas i always have to first go to delhi and then take the train or go by road to the nearest city like dehradun manali kathkodam or any of the cities out there and from there another short drive before the actual trek starts including the journey my treks have been anywhere from 9 to 15 days and the actual trek days from 5 to 11 days i love the mountains and so every time i go on a trek there is so much excitement from the planning stages itself just deciding on which trek to go looking at all the pictures of the places and reading the blogs written by people is so much fun our aim while selecting the trek is to either go to a different part of the himalayas or go on a higher altitude or experience a different terrain during the trek our everyday morning routine is 6 7 that is we wake up at 6 have breakfast at 7 and start trekking at 8 I usually arrange for a private trek only for me and my friends and we go with a trekking firm like Dreamcatcher Adventures, Renock Adventures, Trek the Himalayas. There are several of them. We usually carry only the day pack which includes packed lunch for the day, water bottle, fleece, wind cheater, camera and some snacks. The rest of the stuff is either carried on the backs of porters or on mules or kachars as they called in as they are called in Hindi. The porters or mules carry our tent, kitchen utensils and food. There are usually one or two guides depending on the size of the group, cooks and helpers. In the evenings once we reach our destination which is always on the banks of a river, we put up tents. There are usually two people in one tent and the tent becomes our home for the next few days. Living room, bedroom, study all in one. All through the night we can hear the soft gurgling of the river. It's like a lullaby or background music for us. But the water is freezing cold. Even to brush our teeth, we would shiver with the cold water on our hands. And sleeping in the tents isn't easy either. Initially sleeping in sleeping bags was so frustrating as we couldn't move and there was hardly any place in the tent. We had to literally crawl out of the tent. But now I've become an expert in living in them. Did you know that you don't shower during the trek? at all as many days as you trek the water is so damp cold that you cannot even put your feet in the water for more than a minute some of my family members hate to shower so they will be really happy to go on a trek so that they don't need to shower so we normally have two sets of clothes one for the day and one for the night so when we reach the destination we change into night clothes and next day morning we once again wear yesterday's clothes and we carry one extra pair of clothes just in case of course for longer treks we carry more clothes but normally for shorter treks it's just two pairs of clothes so by the end of the trek we are literally stinking another thing to note is that these trekking groups have a loo tent 
they basically dig a hole in the ground inside a small tent and put an open stool over it and that becomes our loo obviously we can't use cold water so toilet paper comes to the rescue but this tent is there only when we are not uh, actually trekking while trekking if you need to go you just have to go behind the trees and boulders out in the open so when we come back from the trek we so appreciate sleeping on the bed and going to an actual real loo for 60 to 70% of the time we are climbing up the mountain and we have to stop often to take a breath we start early in the morning when it is usually a little cold but as the day progresses the warmth of the sun on our backs is so pleasant we walk with gay abandon clicking pictures of everything we see everywhere we look there is beauty the himalayas offer us such stunning views and the magnificent mountains stand in all their glory looking down affectionately at the valleys along the way we see so many butterflies flitting about as though they were gossiping about the flowers and the bees we get to see so many species of birds like the wagtail dipper eagle yellow-beaked crow minivets fantail doves and many more on the harkidon trek there were so many colorful bees on the many varieties of beautiful flowers creating life life was literally on every inch of land even on dead trees everywhere you see there's greenery and we saw every shade of green in this world the valley was a carpet of yellow flowers it was like nature was welcoming us it was so picturesque it was like a scene from a national geographic documentary only in this case we were the main characters in it and were experiencing it for real The air in the mountains is so crisp. We were breathing in pure, freshly manufactured oxygen. The water in the streams was so sweet and unadulterated. I used to stop by every single stream and drink water directly from the stream. You know, one week in the mountains makes up for a year of living in the plains. day or two are very tough and at the end of the day every muscle on our legs ache we even discover muscles that we never knew existed but the camping site is always so beautiful that we quickly forget our aches and pains the 360 degree view of snow capped mountains surrounding the beautiful valley with the river meandering down hills always leaves us speechless During the trek we crossed many bridges over waterfalls rivers and streams some are wooden planks some are made of stones and some proper steel bridges it was the wooden planks that were the most tricky to cross but luckily we've had no accidents every time i go to the mountains i fall in love with them all over again the himalayas offer such breathtaking vistas and scenic beauty People from all over the world come to pay a visit to the Himalayas. I was always a proud Indian, but the Himalayas make me even more prouder. But then again, why are humans dividing the world into boundaries and countries? Why is one species taking ownership of land and ruling over all other species? What are we doing to this beautiful planet? Our generation or at least I have a lot of hope on new kids, the next generation. to make this world a better place to stop wars to learn to share and care for our fellow human beings and to live happily ever after
Okay, enough scribbling. All this scribbling has made me hungry. So let's talk about food. The trek organizers put up a kitchen tent, which is where the whole team also sleeps, and they cook up some delicious food every day. For breakfast, there are different things every day like poha, bread omelette, oats, puri aloo, etc. Lunch is light as we have to walk and climb, so we either carry roti sabji or rice. And then we find a nice spot along the way and eat from our patched, packed lunch boxes. It's sometimes goats, sometimes mountain dogs, but always beauty for company. We also carry some snacks in our pockets or backpacks in case we get hungry. Uh, stuff like chickies, chocolates, granola bars, dry fruits, and we need to drink lots and lots of water as we get dehydrated. Sometimes we even put glucose in the water. Since we are at an altitude, the sun's rays are scorching, and we sweat so much that if we squeezed our shirt, a quarter liter of sweat would drizzle out. I'm not joking; you really sweat a lot. Sometimes, when it is cloudy, though, the sun plays hide and seek with us. And then, once we reach our destination around four, we have chai and snacks. Snacks can be maggi, pakoda, pasta, etc. And then around eight, we have dinner, which is the heaviest meal of the day. We get roti, sabji, dal, rice, salad, pickles, and a different dessert every day, like kheer, shira, custard, gulab jamun, carrot halwa. It's simple food but very nutritious. In the evenings, when we have chai, we chit chat and share experiences and pictures. We play cards or other games, listen to music, play dumb charades, or the quintessential Indian time pass and takshari. There is so much peace and tranquility around that sometimes we sit by the river and meditate. On the days it is not raining, we collect firewood from around us and make a bonfire and sing songs. There is always someone who can play beads on a vessel or a bucket or anything that's handy. And when the night sets in, you can see a million stars in the sky. There is absolutely no light pollution up there. <clears throat> so you can see the whole sky pockmarked with twinkling stars. It's just absolutely amazing. You know the terrain in the mountains changes as you climb. Below 12000 feet there are tall trees and flowers and birds and everything around you is green. But above 12000 feet we are above the tree line and are surrounded by rocky boulders snow covered peaks waterfalls some places it's just a regular walking and some places we actually have to climb boulders and even cross streams of freezing water we form a human chain to cross the stream and when we reach the other end the toes and our feet become so numb we feel they will break off sometimes we walk on plains and valleys and sometimes on very narrow ledges and when it rains the slope is very slippery if we don't walk carefully we might slip and fall a few hundred meters or even kilometers so we have to be very very careful and focused above 12000 feet the air is thinner so breathing becomes heavier in fact once near the chandaltal lake we were above 14000 feet and when i started walking quickly my breathing became very heavy i was breathing like this No, I thought my lungs would burst. Then I had to stop and take breaths till my breathing became very normal. After that, I always made it a point to go very slow when at a higher altitude.
Many people even get mountain sickness beyond 12,000 feet and you have to be extremely careful and not go too high on a single day. The symptoms of mountain sickness are headache, nausea, fatigue and loss of appetite. Several cases of mountain sickness can also be fatal. So it is extremely important to follow the instructions of the guide. Uh, there are tablets like Gymox that one can take but it is very important to hydrate yourself well and not gain too much altitude on a single day. Now let's move on to some fun stuff. Do you like snow? Most of my treks have been in September but the Kashmir trek I did in early June when there was still a lot of snow. I have never before trekked on snow and this was my first time trekking with crampons or spikes on to get a better grip on the snow. There was snow as far as the eyes could see. Marching along while the snow goes crunch crunch was thrilling and exhilarating. We trekked through the hills and valleys alongside rivers and horses. At times where the snow was soft, my leg would go deep into the snow till the knee and sometimes my walking stick would go in. I even fell down a few times when the snow was slippery. At one point where there was a steep downward slope, all of us got the thrill of sliding down the snow for about 200 or 300 meters. That was so cool, literally and figuratively. We were all screaming with excitement like little children as we slid down with our voices going hoarse, adrenaline pumping furiously and a tinge of fear in case we don't stop and we had to. But we all ended safely and had huge dollops of fun. And of course when there is snow, there had to be snow fighting and some snow going down people's backs. Let me share some of the experiences I have had on my trekking adventures. My trek to Annapurna base camp in Nepal was divine. Annapurna is the 10th highest mountain in the world at a height of 8091 meters. And it's one of the most beautiful trekking routes, especially in spring. It was that time of the year when the mountains were filled with thousands of millions of pretty rhododendron flowers. There are six different colors, baby pink, candy pink, red, white, yellow and lavender. The red ones are called laliguras. Different colored flowers grow in different regions and altitudes. We were able to see baby pink, candy pink and the red ones. Just imagine being in a valley surrounded by mountain slopes and all of them having pink rhododendron blooms as far as you can see for miles and miles. Pink, pink, pink all around. It was such a delightfully stunning sight that our cameras went click, click, click. Annapurna base camp was absolutely stunning. We woke up early morning before sunrise to get a glimpse of the heavenly abode of Nilkant. Initially there were clouds, but soon nature lifted the veil for a grand show. Snow and snow-capped peaks as far as the eyes can see. We got a 360 degree view of the tallest peaks and we were literally in the laps of Himalayas, Himalayaki Godme. The mountains seemed so near we could almost touch them. Annapurna South, Annapurna 1, Machapuchare, Himchuli, Barashikhar, Gangapurna, all of them standing at attention in all their majesty, saluting us from up above and giving us a warm welcome. Well, it was extremely cold and we were freezing, but the warm welcome made all the difference. In Nepal, people come from all over the world for trekking. 
So every evening when we sat for dinner, we would chat up with people from different countries like France, US, Australia, Sweden, Netherlands, South Korea, Thailand, and so many more. It's like a melting pot of people and cultures. In my Annapurna trek, we had with us a senior citizen, the almost 64 years old Jagdish Bhai. I was mighty impressed with him as he kept pace with all of us and had odors of enthusiasm. In fact, once Jagdish Bhai and I heard a Dandiya song and both of us broke into a Dandiya and Garba sequence with our walking poles and this was in the middle of a suspension bridge high above a river. You know, both of us are Gujus and Gujus just cannot resist breaking into a Dandiya dance. I am so happy to have him on this episode. Jagdish Bhai, please share a few words with us. I am Jagdish Parekh. Young man of 65 years, started trekking as my hobby after 50 years and continuing till today. I have done Chardam Yatra, Amarnath Yatra and Kailash Manchavar Yatra through Indian government trekking route via Darchula. I have done high altitude treks in Himalayas. This is my experience that age and weight has no role to play if you are determined. Besides trekking, I have done cycling from Mumbai to Goa and Goa to Kanyakumari and also completed half marathon and full marathon run. I believe in enjoying nature in whatever way it comes. During the day, observing flora, fauna, birds, beautiful waterfalls and blue sky and to learn about the position of constellations, galaxies, planets and the movement of satellites. To watch stars, constellations and thick broad milky way in jet black dark pollution free night sky is an unique experience. To enjoy horizon during sunrise and sunset is always impressive but for me to engross during full moon rise is my passion. I'm sure a lot of you are now inspired by Jagdish Bhai. Okay, so next I'd like to talk about my Kashmir trek. Kashmir of course is called the heaven on earth and it was no doubt extremely beautiful. But I'd like to talk about the wonderful experience I had with the Kashmiri people. The people of Kashmir are very warm, loving and kind. I know many of us think of terrorists when we think of Kashmiris, but that is far from reality. I had such wonderful experiences with so many of them. Our guides Ejaz and Nasir were always there to help us carry our bags when we were tired, help us cross difficult paths, click pictures for us and always keep us motivated. Mushtaq was from another trekking group but helped me so many times. On the last day I wanted to give him some money for all the help, but he refused to take it. He said he didn't help me for the money and that it was his duty to help. At the tabletop mountain, there were a few huts of shepherds and I called out Salaam Alaikum in front of a hut and a voice came from inside, Walaikum Assalam and they invited me in and I was given such a warm hearty welcome. They were having their evening tea and they offered me their namkeen or salty tea along with the crisp roti that they call chot roti. It is similar to khakra and they dip that in the tea and they have it. I enjoyed both the chai roti and their hospitality. Roshni was the lady of the house, Mushtaq her husband, Gulam Rasool her father-in-law, 
her children Munira, Mudassar and her niece Mubina. They were very poor but their hearts were rich and warm. In Srinagar, I had taken an auto to go around. Ishtiak Bhai was the auto driver and he was so warm and genuine. He invited me to his house for lunch and I happily accepted his invitation. I got so much love and affection there from his mother, father, uncle, wife, brother, sister-in-law and their pretty kids Ahmed and Zainab. They treated me like family. All the women hugged and kissed me and his mother even asked me to stay back with them for a couple of days. There was so much excitement in the house and they had cooked a lavish meal for me. There was nadru yakni, kaddu yakni, saag, some tomato dish, pudina chutney and special basmati rice for me. Kheer with coconut was the dessert. The food was so yummy, I literally licked my fingers clean. I was served in real silverware and they brought a finger bowl for me to wash my hands. I felt like Noor Jahan. So much warmth and love from complete strangers. I was bowled over both by Kashmir and the Kashmiris. It is so very sad that because of a few terrorists, all the people of Kashmir are suffering from terrorism, curfews, fighting, lack of jobs and development. Again, no pressure, but I have a lot of hope on you kids to ensure that peace prevails and we see each other as humans and friends. Inshallah. On that positive note, I shall end this episode. Don't just be glued to your gadgets, peeps. Go out there, experience the magic of the mountains, indulge in some adventure, make friends with strangers, break bread with the locals, and come back with truckloads of memories and wonderful experiences. <laughs>